This is the K-Pop Cast, and I'm your DJ, DJ Peter Lowe. And I'm your PD name, Michaela. And I'm your co-host, Stephanie. And in this special episode, we've got a special guest, Dr. Ju Yun Oh, Associate of Dance Theory at San Diego State University. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you all. Dr. Oh is the author of K-Pop Dance, a new release bestseller um, on Amazon. It's a book that's in the communications and pop dance category. But before we dive into the interview, don't forget to join the K-Pop Cast community on Slack and sign up for hard-hitting editorial on our newsletter. Links to those in the episode description. And now for a very special hit replay. Hit replays are K-pop songs that we're hitting on replay each week. And because we, this week we've got Dr. O as our special guest, we're sharing our picks for most innovative choreography, however we choose to find innovative choreography. So Stephanie, kick us off. What's your choreography edition hit replay? Yeah, so I wanted to highlight a song that uh, I heard pretty recently came out within the past few weeks and it stars one of my favorite all-time dancers in k-pop a 17-year veteran from the second generation golden era back at it at the top of his game it's taeyang with shung Featuring Lisa of Blackpink, someone else at the top of her game. They're both coming out with Shung out of the Black label, like a YG subsidiary sibling label. Um, Anyway, they came out with a performance video, a dance practice, which should tell you all you need to know. They are hitting hard with a car driving like Lamborghini themed choreography that is heavy on number one, the isolations, really innovative isolations that are not actually like totally synchronized uh, with the same body part moving with each person. What I mean is when Taeyang's head moves, Lisa's hip moves. When Taeyang's foot moves, Lisa's shoulder moves. So it's this larger picture with little parts moving that's just like tickles my fancy <laughs> so much. <laughs> and the, the moves are like driving a car, shifting gears, inspired, and it just like drives my imagination crazy. So I've been watching this like every day <laughs> and watching reactions, loving it. Yeah, that when you talk about that 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 exchange between like you know a head and hip, that reminds me of a lot of ballroom dance styles. Like it's that mechanical, mm. you know, communication and cause and effect, right? Mm-hmm. That you're seeing in this. Yeah, great point. So next up, Peter, what's your hit replay? Okay, when y'all said like, "Hey, Peter, pick your like most innovative K-pop choreography music video," I'm like. Hmm, that could be a lot of things. So at first right. I was thinking, like, could it be the sexual liberation <laughs> of just the hip isolations of Brown Eyed Girls' Zabrakadab? Yeah. Not necessarily the most technically complicated song, uh, but but uh, bold. Or was it the acrobatics of the boys' The Stealer? Or the push-ups mm. of BAP's One Shot? 
or the uh, intense synchronization across many boys of 17 Don't Want to Cry, or the chairs of Brave Girls is Rolling. But what it, what it came See down to in the end, I, I in multiple answers, guys. Yeah, yeah, multiple <laughs> answers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> cheating. But my, but my real answer is Taman, of course. And his song move because y'all know we, we did a whole episode on it way back when, of right? Course. Remember Stephanie? Remember that? Uh, yeah. Go back. Hey, if you're a new listener, go back. Listen, search for like Taman move or or Taman something or other. We we did we broke it down. Because as a former ballroom dancer, um, just how everything is centered from the core, so much like K-pop choreography we see being like very vocabulary driven. This was very mechanically driven and and like rhythmically driven, uh, based mm. off of the music. So I think like you know other K-pop idols have looked to move as like the the bar of yes. like you know what it is to do dance well. And part of what it is to do the dance well isn't just like copying the sequence. Is copying the the mechanisms, you know, the internal mechanisms, the core that Taman uh, embodies in in the song, and like even the very simple things of him just purely walking toward you on the camera, command power and grace, just because of that. Again, everything stemming from the core, the core. So Taman move. <laughs> most innovative oh my gosh if, if, if i me. had to pick at, at me at no. me if you disagree <laughs> no one can fight you on that like if i were to pick my all-time <laughs> legendary choreo it would be tame and move absolutely game changer yeah. and i would say some, like something that Taemin and Taeyang have in common is their sense of groove their sense mm-hmm. of how to use the space in between mm-hmm. two beats how they can mm-hmm. just savor and make it juicy, <laughs> right? Between one and two, or like and and two, right? That's something that maybe I don't know. We'll 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 hear from Doctor O later, but I'm I'm gonna say that the newer generations might not have it like that in terms yeah, of the groove and how about, to use the space. Right, and it, it's not about just like sure using the the physical space, but also the 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 time, right? Like the time, you can right? Get there, on you know the one or the two or whatever it is but there's still space within that second or that you know that quarter or whatever that you can mostly 80% of the way arrive there and then use the remaining you know second to fill that like you know one quarter of the space so it it means a lot more yep Mm -hmm. okay enough from us PDM (laughs) what's your most innovative uh, K-pop choreography hit replay yeah, so my most innovative pick for this re- special replay is the pre 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 debut uh, song from Card. It's Onana. <laughs> It's very simple, guys. Card is 
a unicorn in K-pop in the sense that they are really the only active co-ed group, as far as like an active co-ed idol group in in the scene. And so basically every choreography they do is innovative, but definitely when they debuted, it was so interesting being able to see um, how they're mixing both these very masculine and feminine movements and seeing them interacting with each other. Whereas previous co-ed groups, usually, you know, the guys would dance and do their little thing and the girls would dance and do their little thing. But there was this lack of chemistry, this like distance between them. And while they, they do keep some distance, like, you know, the very iconic socially distanced <laughs> grinding section of the, the choreo. I was going to call that out. Maybe yeah, they're still, you still feel the chemistry. You still feel them interacting and being present with each other and not being afraid to to engage in a way that makes their choreography so iconic because there's really no other group doing it like them. They just look like they're having fun in the yeah. video. They're, that they're friends and they're chilling with each other, partying with each other. And that's something friends. you can't... Yeah. <laughs> that is, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. Um, oh my God. Yeah, but like, there, there's also something around that, like K- Cardical, K Tropical House beat, like a you know the one ten beats per minute. That mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think lends itself to that dance style as well. Mm. But last, but certainly last, least, Doctor O, what is your most innovative choreography pick for this week? But I have to start with I really enjoyed hearing. Um, your elaboration on your <laughs> pick. Um, and I, I was almost like a changing my decision, but I will oh. keep <laughs> maintaining my choice. Um, so I was going to say that my pick would be New Jeans and their iconic choreography from Attention. Mm. The reason is that, so as I wrote in my book, I think gestural point choreography is one of the main characteristics of K-pop dance. So when I say gestural point choreography, it implies the delicate, rich, and sophisticated movement of the upper body. That includes the hair. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, attention really beautifully extends the scoop in terms of the space and time of the hair movement itself into the another level. And um, I'm thinking like, what if New Jeans has short hair? Mm. Then I don't mm. think the, yeah, the fresh, youthful and the cheerful vibe of the choreography cannot be achieved. And I think many of the visual and also physical images directly coming from the hair choreography. And um, another thing that I wanted to add is that I grew up listening to the first generation of K-pop idols in the 1990s. And many of the directors who are actively working at this point have had experiences over the past few decades, including the New Jeans' performance director. So I think New Jeans' choreography brought me the old-fashioned, almost like a nostalgic image that I saw mm-hmm. when I was yeah. growing up. Mm. And thankfully, New Jeans' choreography is relatively easy to imitate, especially the point choreography. 
And it again brings me the old memory because K-pop choreography wasn't that difficult right, uh, right. until 1990s. So, um, yeah, for all those reasons, I choose Nugent's attention. Yeah. Well, there was a reason why it was Song of the Year for us last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was Sophie. just going to say, yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, bringing the hair choreography mm-hmm. into the conversation. I think it's something we, we joke about. Um, but no, it's actually super important. <laughs> Yeah, I was like another limb of the body. Yeah, (laughs) like like another. Yeah, yeah. Going along with that, I I, I think uh, we're seeing costuming playing a big deal as a part of choreography. At least that I'm seeing from like a lot of the K-pop gigs I'm doing nowadays. So obviously everyone is doing New Jeans's "Oh My God" or OMG, and Mm -hmm. that that song. Like I noticed whenever like K-pop dance groups do a cover of that song. It's like practically the requirement that you have to dance with like a small backpack and like a fluffy or, or excuse me, a, a plushy, like oversized, like stuffed animal or something like attached to your um, to your belt. Like, like that's the requirement because you're, you're not doing. Oh, uh, oh, my God. Unless you have something attached to like jump around while you while you spin around and do the moves. You got me looking for Okay, well, enough of hit replays. Let's turn it into the main interview. So, Dr. O, uh, tell us about your background. What is your dance background? So, I started dancing when I was seven. And my first class that I remember was actually my mom teaching Korean folk dance at home. And I, um, I think I just fell in love with the fact that we don't have to speak. And mm. I think it's kind of irony that now I'm a professor and my job <laughs> right. is all about lecturing mm-hmm. and all about public speech. But I was such a shy girl, very introvert. So I felt more comfortable as I can express myself without speech if I'm dancing. And then I started my formal classical ballet training at Universal Ballet Academy. That is a sister school with Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C. So these two are some of the leading ballet schools, but the Washington one is recently closed. And in university, I changed my major to modern dance. So although I say I changed my major, but classical ballet and modern dance are deeply connected to each other when it comes Mm. to sharing the basic and foundation movement. And I was lucky to perform a couple decades and sometimes winning international dance competitions. But later, I sort of discovered that we are not just performing on stage, but we also perform on a daily basis. Like our identity could be actually a performance. 
Oh, it so, definitely is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It okay, is. okay. So, um, <laughs> so I decided to study performance studies. It is a discipline that belongs to either communication or theater and dance. Basically, it is a academic field where we study identity as performance, such as race or gender. Um, and uh, excitingly enough. As soon as I started my PhD in 2010, that was the moment a lot of K-pop idols officially started performing in the United States. Girls' mm-hmm. generation came to the United States and began to appear major television show and size Gangnam Style hit the United oh, States yeah. and across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote my PhD dissertation on K-pop dance, and I think that was arguably the first academic PhD dissertation exclusively written on this field. And back then, um, people were not quite, you know, interested in K-pop dance, although K-pop became popular. So I remember when I first presented one of my dissertation chapter at a um, nationally known conference in cultural studies, we had three panelists and we had two audience members because the top oh. people. Oh, wow. I know, I know. And the, and and my topic was girls' generation choreography and its resemblance with classical ballet. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! Yeah, I know. We, we would have loved to be there. We would participate. Thank you. We would have had five people now. in the audience. As of now, but it wasn't. <laughs> so I made a presentation in front of two audience. One of the audience was my friend. So basically, oh. one audience. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad that now um, K-pop is popular among the general public, not not only only among academics. So I'm very excited to be here today and sharing all those, um, you know, my research because I'm working in a university with the general public and also your fans. Woo! Yeah, I'm I'm just really curious quickly, what was the, the title or the thesis of your PhD dissertation? Right, right. Okay. Um, it is called K-pop scape. So the terminology is a jargon technically. It came from media studies scholar. So what I try to theorize is that how K-pop is opening a new scape integrating various cultural elements and how they are utilizing media space to share their performance. And I think my major focus was how they are performing race and gender. Mm. So like I said, one of the cases that is was girls' generation and its resemblance with classical ballet and the ideal body type in Western society yep. that can be also applied in East Asian culture with, with a, um, a hint of localization. Mm-hmm. And the other case study was CL. CL. Ooh, very different. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and CL, I wrote 
present quote-unquote bad girl image compared to girls' generation who was promoting quote-unquote good girl image. And there's also racial connotation. CL draws more influences and even music and dance style from hip-hop that is rooted in African diaspora. Yes. Yeah, and um, yeah, I I really enjoyed writing my dissertation, although it gave me lots of gray hair. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait, but, but when when no, I'm I'm really curious to dive further into that because I that that is as Stephanie said that that is a striking contrast, especially when I'm thinking between like Girls Generation O and like CL, you know, the baddest female. Like, oh my nah, gosh, nah, like completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like what what were some of like in, in those contrasts what what were some of like the the core insights or or like positions that you, that you had in that contrast? Right. Um to start with first as a dance theorist we can analyze the representation of performance that include the lyrics, costume, mm-hmm. makeup and of course movement. CL's movement is more grounded and mm. somehow aggressive, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. girls' generation choreography is almost all the time lighter and almost effortless. So I wouldn't say all this choreography came from exclusively from hip hop or ballet because there had been a lot of choreographers who have been trained in different styles. Uh-huh. But when it comes to representation, hip hop and ballet are some of the visually striking symbols. Yeah. So, and that's where we find meanings when it comes to culture. Um, can, can you repeat your question? I, I, I guess, like, I, what? Yeah, no, 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 that, that was good. But, like, I, I guess, like, what, what are. In exploring that contrast, like what did you find? Like what what are okay. like the yeah. yeah yeah. So in addition to the choreographic um, representation, I actually found the localization process exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I'm writing my second book about K-pop dance teachers because mm. my. First yeah, my first book focused more on K-pop cover dance and fandom. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that everyone need a teacher, right? Mm. In, a, in case of K-pop, the teachers include their friends in a K-pop cover dance team, um, YouTubers who are yep. uploading YouTube tutorial videos, and traditional sense of teachers who are literally teaching movement from scratch in studio. And I think the last one is sort of not missing, but we don't have much information about the teachers who is teaching K-pop idols since they were teenager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm able to meet, and that's why I'm here in South Korea during the summer. I've been able to meet <laughs> and interview a lot of teachers who... Um, who literally met all those legendary K-pop idols more than mm-hmm. a decade ago. Mm. So you will be able to 
read all those exciting stories and behind the stories uh, when the book is out. It it will be published the next year. Oh man, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. I also Gosh. need to yes. dive into your first book. But Dr. Oh, like I, I want to ask like, okay, so you, you looked, you know, your, your PhD, you were looking at uh, second generation uh, K-pop and, and certainly you're, you're personally grounded in, in first generation uh, K-pop. But like, thinking on that and looking to today like are there other like big changes that you've seen from like gen 2 to gen 4 like k-pop dance styles and what they represent i would say the latest generation tends to bring the vocabularies created by the previous generation so Mm. May consider it like an iPhone. What is the iPhone model that we have right now? Because <laughs> uh, I'm using seven plus. So oh. <laughs> uh, we're, we're on like fourteen, I believe. Yeah. Okay. We're fourteen. Yeah. Good for you. Um, <laughs> so um, if you look at iPhone, it keeps the core function and even the style in mm-hmm. its brand name, but they mm-hmm. are adding new functions and the technology to meet the new demand and also trend in society. And I think K-pop dance is actually way beyond a choreography. It is a big industry that is operated almost like a performing art company and school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You see us say more about that. Would you like to add something? Oh yeah, I, I want you to you to say more. Yeah, about no, no, that. like I I agree, but like I, I want to hear. Yeah, what Stephanie said, I would love to hear more. <laughs> yeah. So so what what what's the difference between the the first one the the yeah, prior and the latter? Yeah. Well, the first difference would be the skill set. Mm. <laughs> wow. Oh, All right. Wow. No. Yeah. The reason is that the current idols have had unprecedented level of support, education, Uh, and Mm. resources accumulated more than a decade. And those resources were not available almost at all when it comes to the first generation of K-pop idols. Um, One of the people I recently interviewed, it should be anonymous, but (laughs) he said, yeah, but but you're going to see the information when the book is out. He said when SM Entertainment, you know, the biggest legendary company Mm -hmm. with EXO and Girls' Generation came out of SM Entertainment, he witnessed how SM Entertainment and the director, Lee Suman, or Suman Lee, started his company in an underground studio. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was basically the only employer and employee of the company. And over the past few decades, K-pop has grown, as I explained, um, almost like an international music, art, and performance business. Having said that, the skill set the current idols are presenting in terms of the choreography, foreign languages, awareness on history and culture, everything is almost um, this is simply flawless and 
up up to the level of perfection. And I can only mm. imagine how much competition they would yeah. have went through. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I was just like verbally agreeing. Like, <laughs> yeah, you mean oh, like yeah, how, how much, yeah. how yeah, how much competition they went through in order to be chosen to, to debut? Yeah, right. Yeah. To, to make it out of the basement. <laughs> oh yeah, they all start in the in the dungeon. We joke about because <laughs> we have yeah. a, we we watch these survival shows and we uh-huh. read articles or watch, watch shows about the debut and trainee process, and it's. Uh, yeah. It's grueling. It's tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tenure boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. Practicing, practicing in the studio all day, all night until 4 a.m., you know, for the yeah. mid evaluation the next morning. Yeah. Oh, I could. But like what Dr. Cho, what you're, what you're also saying is that there, there's more specialization amongst trainers, dance studios, just like the industry at large for the very specific like subtasks of what it means to become a K-pop idol. And and in this case, just, you know, more explicit, more deliberate choreography and dance training, right. Is, is part of what's raising the overall bar for, for dancers nowadays. I guess, um, I guess I'm, 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 I'm looking for you to, uh, help, help us paint a picture of if you were to walk into the SM studio in 2009, 2010, it would be, you would find the idol and maybe the Korean choreographer or the American choreographer. Um, but no, no one else on the team kind of preparing or maybe the performance director, like you're, you're saying that there were these just just like a few folks helping out as resources for the idols, but now there's more people, more specialized roles in the background yeah. helping bring a performance to life. Yeah, it is like, uh, so the timeline is more than a decade ago. Uh, it was literally when Big Bang first started their training So it was definitely more than a decade ago. An analogy would be, you know, we have like a, let's say KFC, right? Mm. And um, one of the KFC KFC franchise I stopped by in San Diego, I saw the black and white photo of the founder, you know, the iconic Colonel Sanders. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And even he, and among many other businesses, successful businessmen and women, a lot of people actually start their business by themselves in a small scale. But over time, there are a couple of businesses who are able to break into the global market. And I think that's what's happening in K-pop industry. But I would say it is not unique because you will be able to see those cases in American pop music too, because not all label started with all the resources they needed, but they worked really hard and they are able to make one singer successful, bring fund from the first successful case and invest for the the next singers and dancers, and that's how they grow their business. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about how the the idols from 
generation two are now a lot of them are employed in mentoring and training yeah, the, exactly. the newest generation as well. Yeah, so yeah. Like Pat or paying Gen that 1 to forward. Gen 2. Even, yeah, Gen right? 1 to Gen 2, exactly. I'd like to circle back to our to, you know, bring cover dancers into the story because we're talking about, you know, these these scenarios in which we have, you know, people who are being trained by teachers. But most fans, when they're in, you know, in involved in K-pop dance, they're they're on these these cover teams. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what, what do we want to know about cover? I mean, we we all know cover dancers. We all have friends who are cover dancers. It just it's so much fun. Oh my gosh, if any of you have ever been in a performance or a flash mob, it's incredible. Yeah, it's a phenomenon, especially here in the Hella Haifu Bay area. There, there's so oh, many yeah. K-pop dance cover groups. I might put something out very provocative. All right. <laughs> might get me canceled. But uh, Dr. Oh, like I, I'm I'm curious, what what do you think is like the underlying motivation? behind a lot of these cover groups. Like you, you were saying, like your first book focused on, you know, the fandom aspect of, of dance. But like, like why, why, why do you think like, what drives primarily so many dance teams to do what they do to cover K-pop dances? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And thanks for getting back to the script. <laughs> 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 okay, so cover dance. I would say the driving motivation of cover dance is to showcase their talent yes. using the template given from K-pop. Mm-hmm. So I wrote in my book that K-pop is a social dance of the global youth. In history, we always have had the popular social dance, such as salsa, Waltz, yep. Yep. tango, bachata, yep. hip Oh, you're speaking my language. Yeah, These are all Pete, my dance Peter. styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now K-pop is adding, adding a new social dance. But the mm-hmm. major departure is that K-pop is not relying on physical studio or ballroom hall or the street. It mainly relies on the social media. Yes. Mm. Yep. That's why I wrote that social media is a stage and K-pop is an example of social media dance. So yes. um, yeah, mm. going back to your question, the reason why a lot of young people are driven to cover dance is that there aren't many dances that share its template. Mm-hmm. And there are not many dances that is easy to learn. I'm not saying the K-pop is easy, right. but you cannot learn three hours of a Swan Lake repertoire <laughs> if you are not a dance major. Oh, I mean, man. you you can try it, but it may take at least three years. Okay, <laughs> um, well, just the technical imperfections, you know, stand out a lot more. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. But K-pop at least provide a platform or like I said, a template. Even if you do not have professional training background, that's why it is a social dance. The other thing what's unique about K-pop cover dance is that it doesn't finish in studio or in street but they share the outcome on social media 
with video editing, sometimes on YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. All the social media brings us unprecedented level of spreadability. Yes. That means if you are perform in theater, we have the number of audience and the limitation, right? Even if you, unless you perform in an Olympic stadium, most theater have limitation in terms of time and space. And if you cannot attend the show, you are missing it. But when it comes to social media, it is transnational. Although mm-hmm. we, we know that there's an algorithm affecting the recommendations. Right, right. But technically, everyone is able to have an opportunity to share their talent. And I think that's the power of K-pop cover dance because it invites everyone at least to share um, who they are and what they like to share with the global audience. Yeah, that that is mm-hmm. so fascinating. And, and by the way, like everything you're saying, like so strongly rings true with like everything that I'm seeing in, in like the K-pop Bay Area dance community. But maybe just like to push the envelope, just push the matter further and maybe get me in trouble. Do like, it. You you say it like they're doing it to to showcase their ability and like you know like they're they're there's like a basic common denominator and platform, right? You're, you're given a choreography and like, you know, almost a format, right? Like not only the choreography, but even how you film it, like, you know, that everyone can copy. But like, why, why, I, I, look, my, I'll just say it. My, my theory think, is like Peter? a lot of kids are doing this just because they're chasing clout, right? They, they want to get famous. <laughs> they they want to, they want to be seen and validated by internet strangers. Like how, how much does that, uh, are you seeing that in, in your and research? Sometimes Dr. Like, their, their video might even be viewed by the artist. Oh, right, right, right. The yeah, they might for, get for your noticed. social relationships, right? Oh yeah, my to God. be seen by yeah. their idols, right? Mm, I think you're right. Um, another driving force would be, let's say, having more followers on their social mm-hmm. media. That mm-hmm. is clearly another driving force. And that's why the book subtitle is Fandoming Yourself on Social Media. Because social media itself is designed to celebrate ourselves. Our narcissism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. That's how the platform is designed. Yeah. um, Uh Unless we are able to eliminate those platforms, and I don't think we can do that. It is already part of our life. Um, then I think the question is little deeper layer of how those motivation is operating and why, and how we could switch this big phenomenon where everyone wants to be an influencer and how we could get a lesson from this big phenomenon. Yeah, so I think there's a pros and cons of using this public sphere that is social media. But one of the, and I think I'm a little empathetic as a previously professional dancer because I know how it feels like you worked really hard, but no one is watching you yeah. or no one cares what you do. And I just mm-hmm. know 
so mm-hmm. well. Yeah, um, I went to a, um, a ballet concert last night. It's done by Universal Ballet. That is one of the biggest ballet companies at the Korea. A friend of mine who attended the same conservatory school, she became the prima ballet dancer of the mm. company. Yeah, so she played the main role. Such a beautiful, breathtaking performance. And I actually reminded how I felt because I, I was also the a student at the top conservatory school, but I wasn't the top student in ballet class. Um, my ankle wasn't simply flexible enough and my athleticism wasn't there. So, um, and I remembered, I was actually thinking social media when I was watching ballet concert, because in ballet, you have one prima ballet dancer that gets the highlight and applaud of the audience. And you'd have, let's say, 40, back, not backup dancers, we say court ballet, but who is admiring the prima ballet dancer at the center? And I just mm-hmm. feel, um, I yeah. So although there is a drawback of social media, it's too competitive. It is too commercialized. Sometimes everyone looks the same. But despite all those drawback, as a dancer, I'm glad that even 11 years old girl could get thousands of views of her performance. And I think to, as a starting point, I think it has a potential because it opens more possibilities. Yeah, that, that's, I, I really appreciate what, what you're saying. Like there, there's, you know, different ways to look at this and, and, you know, it's not, you know, all bad and it's, it's, uh, it's not, not always all good, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, just, just, just to that point, I think social media, like the fact that people can perform covers of dance or singing or whatever talent they have on social media, that was so noticed by the the music industries that yeah. it opened up this whole genre of TV shows, you know, Amer- American Idol and The Voice and Who's Got Talent, pretty much all of the first contestants of that were plucked from social media, like YouTube cover oh, yeah. artists. And Very same with the, the, the parallel uh, universe of those competition programs that uh, are in Korea and now all over the world, you know, superstar K, K-pop star, like all of those. Um, it's opened up a door for, you know, regular people <laughs> mm-hmm. who didn't come through the the normal pipeline trainee. to yeah. yeah to become a trainee and get noticed and get into the label and stuff so social media has like a huge impact on on the industry itself and the pool of people allowed in to become stars i i wonder what the end game is you know like for a lot of these people like is is the end game just to become you know, infinitely famous to, to capitalize, like, you know, as an influencer to capitalize and monetize that. Um, you know, what I'm seeing, which is really interesting, is that it, it's almost coming full circle now. So there's one K-pop dance cover group here in the San Francisco Bay Area Eclipse. And, you know, they, they've got like a half million, like, you know, subscribers on YouTube and wow. lots of followers on other platforms. And it's gotten to the point now where um, SM Entertainment or whoever's doing their tours... 
um, will be like, hey, can you please promote to your on your socials that we're doing this tour? <laughs> you know, like like using them, the dance team as like an advertising channel, right? For 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 K-pop, like, you know, official K-pop, like idol driven uh, content and, and promotions. I mean, Dr. O, like, where, where do you, like, we, we've heard a lot from you, like, here's the landscape, but where do you think things should go? Like, how, how should, you know, how, how, how should fandom treat, like, K-pop dance? Like, is there a healthy way to this? Or is there, like, a best practice? Is there a future you, you want us all to head toward? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think the next step is opening new opportunities in education and mm-hmm. an official job profession. That's why I offer the California State University Summer Art in Fresno. Yeah. There it is. Yep. Sign up. <laughs> right. And you will get A. I'm joking. Okay. So from July 10th to 23rd, at last is a K-pop boy group. They will be coming to teach their K-pop song and they just finished their tour in LA mm. and I think they are touring in Latin America at this point. I designed the course um, as a certificate curriculum because I have noticed that so many talented K-pop cover dancers do not uh, just unable to shift their passion and talent into an official profession. The reason is that dance department in general values traditional style, let's mm-hmm. say modern dance or Korean and ballet. Yep. And um, although it's changing, we need more diversity in the official curriculum. So, mm-hmm. um, but K-pop is a little bit like yoga. Like everyone does it, but there's no yoga department, let's say, mm-hmm. um, because it's driven by a hobby. And another commonality is that K-pop is, we, we have to be mindful that it is technically an ethnic dance. It came from yeah. South Korea, even K is Korea. So although it's been globalized, its production, its performers, it's all globalized and de-ethnicized. Um, when it comes to entering the mainstream society, there could be um, racial barriers. And that's mm-hmm. how I often feel. And that's why I create this certificate course that is open to everyone. You don't have to be a dance major. You don't have to be a university student. So my hope is that because I don't want all those K-pop cover dancers quit their career as they are reaching 30s. Um, Mm. And I think it's a waste of resources across the society in general, because a lot of K-pop cover dancers I interviewed in in Southern California, they were like influencers. They spent a few years as a K-pop dancers and right. later instructors as a senior. But once they graduate, they go to uh, Microsoft Engineering, which is mm, good yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, good yeah. for them. But what if we create a new channel where they can continue their passion and love in addition to their um, job career? Because K-pop is relying on university dance team. So once they graduate, it's hard to find another platform. 
So yes. I'm working hard with the support of CSU Summer Art and thankfully San Diego State University. And I'm hoping to provide more official curriculum so that we bring talented cover dancers as instructors in the future. And so is is the hope that this will open up a pipeline for K-pop cover dancers to enter the K-pop industry or to become or, or, or maybe to become dance instructors at a studio and teach K-pop classes? Are there like what are the paths after they graduate from your program? Yeah, I think both. Um, mm. So students will be able to have the chance actually dance with Elast. And um, they will be creating because the certificate is titled K-pop creator certificate. So they, again, they do not have to be a dance major. So they will be creating their social media content, working with K-pop idols. And because I've been able to build a network with K-pop industry during my process of writing the first and second book, I'm also happy to write a letter of recommendation to K-pop agencies and schools, there's a tremendous number of schools, institutions, and academy in South Korea. And these people are also interested in recruiting talented dancers abroad, right? But the, the channel between the K-pop fandom and K-pop agency is not fully connected. That's why K-pop agencies are using Instagram to bring right. people um, and to get connected. So I like to use my position as a university professor and also as a researcher working with K-pop industry so that we could get connected uh, more smoothly. And that would be a win-win situation for both K-pop industry and all the talented people in the United States. Definitely. And it's just, you know, for, for those who didn't know, it's based in Fresno, Central California, mm-hmm. home to our very own PD name, Michaela. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Michaela, are, are you going to apply? Who are, uh, oh, no, not me. I, oh. I wish I could go back a few more years and like, <laughs> change my, go back eight years, change my major to dance and then It's and not then too apply. late, man. But um, some, some advice I can give for people who are traveling to Fresno for the first time, it will be in July. And uh, Fresno reaches very high, high degrees in July, up, mm-hmm. upwards of the 99 plus. So just just some advice for people who are traveling to the area for the first time for the course. Thank you. And also Yosemite National Park is next to Fresno. What I mean by next to Fresno is I think around an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So some of my students are planning to visit Yosemite National Park during the weekend. So and also Yay. bringing their family too. So, um, yep, you'll be immersed in K-pop and during the weekend, the nature. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. You you were speaking about, uh, you know, the trends in K-pop cover dance and industry opportunities. And I wanted to and, and, and also the, the ethnicization, mm-hmm. I believe, and cultural representation. I, I can't help but think about hip hop dance mm-hmm. the, the hip-hop dance scene and culture street dance and like what do you see as i guess i mean i have you noticed in your research um how is the relationship between those two is there is there clashing 
between the communities or what have you observed? Yeah, of course. I I think it is even more than clashing. Um, Hip hop has made one of the biggest influence, especially the initial development of K-pop dance and music, as many K-pop idols have openly shared publicly. Sometimes they share their favorite hip hop musicians and choreographers. So hip hop is definitely one of the core movement and music style and vocabularies in hip hop. What I have noticed, especially after BTS and Big Bang, there is, I would say, K-pop style hip hop. Um, mm. And I'm not saying it's not hip hop, but it, it has been a lot of departure from the original hip hop, although K-pop idols are recognizing and giving the credit to hip hop. And that's why they are collaborating with a lot of hip hop artists in the United States. But there is also a unique localization of K-pop hip hop, I would say. And I think it is a natural process of evolving. And I think um, we can value and appreciate both of the original influences and continuing influence of hip hop in addition to how the local artists are adding their own voice and style to hip hop. Mm, can you speak yeah. more on that? What what types of localization is happening? I think BTS is one of the examples who debuted as a hip hop group. But if you look at their choreography and stage performance, what they present is quite different from what hip-hop artists do in the United States, right? One of the songs or one of the choreography or part of the choreography of a song resonate with hip-hop and it has hip-hop vocabulary, rhythm, and style, but it has been expanding, integrating other musical and performance styles so I think that's why K-pop industry is working with choreographers who define themselves as open choreography. And, and maybe it is not only K-pop because of the globalization and social media, it is so easy to access a new cultural trend. You don't have to travel to LA to see LA dancers style. You don't have to travel to Korea to see K-pop idols performance. And because of this open access, a lot of choreographers are influenced and influence other choreographers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think um, we need more conversation on this, but K-pop represent the one of the future directions of music and dance industry when it is produced on the the, the transnational media and mm-hmm. how it changes um, our understanding of dance. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because I, I think like certainly at the professional level. There's a lot of that transnational dialogue, you know, even if it's not like, you know, choreographer speaking to choreographer, there, there's still like a conversation being had and, you know, in terms of inspiring each other. But when it comes to like the, the fandom level, I feel like it's different. Like, like there's bad blood. 
between like you know mm. uh, hip hop dance teams around here versus like K pop dance teams just because they like philosophically approach it I think yeah. very differently. And, and you're you're speaking to this Peter as as a K pop DJ who is at these these parties experiencing people dancing <laughs> to K pop in real time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in acknowledging my copy, yeah, Peter, that's yeah. The what's your area. um? Yeah. What what's what's your assessment or what do you hear about the the conflict or the reasons for conflict? Um, I well, what well, I mean, I'm also curious, Doctor O, for your your take on this. But like Doctor O was saying earlier, like there's a common platform in terms of like you know a baseline choreography um, to capture. But I think you know the difference is like <sighs> a willingness to go off script versus um, mm. sticking strictly to oh you you need to do this part to this song or if you don't know this song then don't dance <laughs> like mm, I, I think that like free like, freestyling and improv yeah, yeah yeah right oh my gosh yeah peter we we talk so much about how at the the k-pop parties that you dj uh if if you put a song on there that has a great beat, but people don't know the choreography from the video, they will just stand there. <laughs> they will not do anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be on the floor doing all kinds of stuff, um, just making it up as I go. But yes, like we noticed in the K-pop parties, the cover dancers who are so talented, they will just stand to the side, back away if they don't know the official choreography. So that and that and that that's that's a big difference from hip hop dance community, which is all about the cipher, the freestyle. What can you right. come up with on the spot? Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of why I prefer sometimes doing top forty and K pop mm. events because there you've got the people like the you know the people who don't know any K pop at all who are kind of that filler in between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the yeah, you can between. count on them. You count on the hip hop Because they're going to keep the pulse moving in the crowd at, at, at large. Which yeah, it won't just die at the a K-pop certain song. fans to be like, oh yeah, I can keep bobbing my head. That's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, do so, something. Dr. O, like I, I've seen uh, random dance games. There's another thing that, that's interesting, like the chorus line game where it, it's almost like a competitive version of the random dance game where you've got like different teams going like pairing up getting in the line and then whoever knows the song at the front of the line will do it and if they don't know that song they get kicked off and whichever line <laughs> remains is the winner uh stuff like that um i've also you know we we've also seen what going back now like six maybe even eight years like line dance as like a you know you've got your uh main music video you've got the performance music video and then you've got the line dance <laughs> The re- relay, relay dance. Re- relay dance. I'm sorry, that's the right word. Yes, relay dance. Mm. Um, so, like, Dr. O, my, my question to you is, like, what what do you think is next? Like, what is the next, like, quote-unquote stage in, in social media for, like, K-pop, you know, be it for teachers, fandom? What, what do you think is next? Because I'm an educator, like I said, I can make a prediction in likely educational setting. Mm-hmm. I think the rhythm dance play and its popularity will last um, quite for a long time. The The reason is that, as I said, there aren't many styles that everyone can join. And what's unique about Random Dance Challenge is that although it is named random, it is actually not random. The music is played random. 
But even the music, in many cases, the event host would share the list of the songs mm. ahead of time nowadays, right? Because mm-hmm. K-pop dance is actually really difficult. So you actually have to practice a lot if you like to participate in the random dance challenge. So um, it became more and more professional. And I think fans quite enjoy um, singing them growing through this public dance challenge. So I think what K-pop brings to the fandom is that as K-pop choreography itself become more and more advanced, K-pop fans have also developed their skills and almost turning into professional dancers at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think the repetitive routine or the point choreography in the middle that is easy to remember is the core charm and even beauty of K-pop dance because it invites people as if asking, why don't you try this with me? And I think that welcoming environment um, will remain quite appealing to many people. All right. I think we can mic mic drop right there. So, Dr. O, where can prospective students learn more? Where can they follow you and learn more about this course? Yep. You can follow me on Instagram at chuyun.o. So, it is C-H-U-Y-U-N dot O-H. All right. So we're going to head on over to your Instagram. There's also on her Instagram, like cool videos of her dancing and teaching people dance. (laughs) So (laughs) make sure to go see her skills as well. Thank you so much, Dr. O, for joining us on this episode. This is just the beginning of uh, our conversation. Thank you for having me, everyone. All right. So shall we say where, where folks can find us? Oh, yeah. Don't forget to follow us, too. Um, yeah. PDM, kick us off. Where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Michaela J. K-Pop on Twitter. I'm at DJ Peter Lowe. I'm at S. Parker 2 on Twitter and Catchlight27 on Instagram. And you can tweet all of us at the K-Pop cast. Or Instagram us. EMS, whatever At it's called. The K-pop on Instagram. cast. At the K-pop <laughs> cast. Yeah. Yay. Yay.